Welcome to Prism Bible, where we learn the Bible so we can live the story. God has a part for each of us to play, and to understand our purpose, we need to grasp the big, beautiful story that's unfolding in history. Join us today as the people of Israel decide to worship a God of their own making, rather than the God who delivered them from slavery. False worship to which God responds by proposing to start over with Moses. You're listening to Prism Bible. After coming down upon Mount Sinai and speaking the Ten Commandments to the people of Israel, God continues to give more laws and regulations to the nation through Moses. The Sinai Covenant is being filled out with God's stipulations given, but soon God and Israel make it official. The Israelites agree as a nation to be obedient to the Lord, and the Sinai Covenant is formally established. The ratification of this covenant agreement happened like this. Moses wrote down all the words of the Lord. Early the next morning, he got up and built an altar at the base of the mountain, along with twelve pillars for the twelve tribes of Israel. Then he sent out some young men of Israel, and they offered burnt offerings and sacrificed young bulls as peace offerings to the Lord. Moses took half the blood and put it in bowls, and the other half he sprinkled on the altar. Then he took the book of the covenant and read it to the people, who replied, All that the Lord has spoken we will do, and we will be obedient. So Moses took the blood from the sacrifice, sprinkled it on the people, and said, This is the blood of the covenant that the Lord has made with you, in accordance with all these words. This ceremony is the ratification, or the making official of the covenant. The people agreed to obey God's rules, and God has said that he will go before them into the land and bless them in the land if they obey this law. Blood, the primary signifier of life in the Bible, here is suggestive of the solemnity and seriousness of this ceremony and of covenant violation. Just after this ceremony, Moses is called back up on Mount Sinai. The Lord said to Moses, Come up to me on the mountain and stay here, so that I may give you the tablets of stone with the law and commandments I have written for their instruction. On these tablets would be written the ten words that God had spoken to the people. Further, while Moses is on the mountain, God reveals more of the 600 rules in the law that he was giving the people. This process of tablet writing and legal revelation continues for 40 days and 40 nights. Over a month upon the mountain, where Moses received instructions from God, and the people at the base of the mountain begin to become impatient. It's at the very end of this 40-day and 40-night time period that the sad next phase of the Bible begins a phase of repetition that characterizes this people that God has delivered from slavery. When the Lord had finished speaking with Moses on Mount Sinai, he gave him the two tablets of the testimony, tablets of stone inscribed by the finger of God. Now when the people saw that Moses was delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said, Come, let us make gods who will go before us. As for this Moses who brought us up out of the land of Egypt— We do not know what has happened to him. It had only been 40 days since the very same people had ratified the covenant with their God. 40 days since they said, All that the Lord has spoken we will do and we will be obedient. And yet, having heard God's voice speak the ten words, they pushed from their minds that God had forbidden the creation of fake gods, the idols like the Egyptians had. 
the people of Israel, rebel against God and his law and demand that Aaron, Moses' brother, should make them false gods to go before them. Perhaps we stop here and think to ourselves, surely Aaron will correct the error of the Israelites and remind them of their recent covenant agreement to obey God's law. He'll refuse to make this idol for them. Surely Aaron will lead the people well in his brother's absence. Well, surely we'd be disappointed. Aaron told them, Take off the gold earrings that are on your wives and sons and daughters and bring them to me. Then all the people took off their gold earrings and brought them to Aaron, and he took the gold from their hands, and with an engraving tool he fashioned it into a golden calf. And they said, These, O Israel, are your gods, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. This is quite a statement by the people of Israel. God himself had given the Ten Commandments in a very specific context. He had said, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And yet here, just over 40 days later, with a fake God made from their earrings, the Israelites say to themselves, These are your gods, O Israel, who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. It's such a sad display of the corruption of heart, even in the people that God had redeemed from slavery. All the while, Moses is on the mountain as God reveals what is happening down below. The Lord said to Moses, Go down at once, for your people whom you brought up out of the land of Egypt have corrupted themselves. How quickly they have turned aside from the way that I commanded them. They have made for themselves a golden calf and have bowed down to it. They have sacrificed to it and said, These, O Israel, are your gods who brought you up out of the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now leave me alone, so that my anger may burn against them and consume them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God, saying, O Lord, why does your anger burn against your people, whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a mighty hand? Why should the Egyptians declare, He brought them out with evil intent to kill them in the mountains and wipe them from the face of the earth. Turn from your fierce anger and relent from doing harm to your people. Remember your servants, Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, to whom you swore by your very self when you declared, I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give your descendants all this land that I have promised, and it shall be their inheritance forever. So the Lord relented from the calamity that he had threatened to bring on his people. We need to note two things here. First, that God is justifiably angry with the people and proposes just starting his plan anew with Moses. But the second thing is this. Moses appeals to God's reputation and to his promises, after which God doesn't bring the disaster he planned upon his people. God reveals an intention but relents from it upon Moses' plea for God to protect his own reputation and faithfulness to his promises of old. Finally, after this conversation with God, Moses goes down and berates the people before destroying the golden calf that Aaron had made. This golden calf event becomes emblematic of a consistent cycle where the Israelites continually rebel against God and his rules, despite the generally godly leadership of Moses. And it's in each of these cyclical events that God adds more and more stipulations to the law. It's as if God is responding to the sin of the people 
by adding more legal requirements for them to follow. Sin becomes an occasion for God to show people a better way to live through his law. And as the people leave Mount Sinai heading for the land of Canaan, God continues revealing his law to Israel. Eventually, they finally make it to the border of the land, the place that they had only been thinking and dreaming of for the last 400 years in Egypt. This was a land that God described as flowing with milk and honey, with blessing abounding to all. This was the land long ago promised to Abraham and his descendants. Here at the border, amidst the excitement of the people, Moses sends twelve spies into the land that they might report back what they see. He says to them, Go up through the Negev and into the hill country. See what the land is like and whether its people are strong or weak, few or many. Is the land where they live good or bad? Are the cities where they dwell open camps or fortifications? Is the soil fertile or unproductive? Are there trees in it or not? Be courageous and bring back some of the fruit of the land. And so the twelve spies enter the land, and after forty days they return with a report. Yet as they return, they return with fear, as most of them say this, We went into the land to which you sent us, and indeed it is flowing with milk and honey. Here is some of its fruit. Nevertheless, the people living in the land are strong, and the cities are large and fortified. Ten of the twelve spies forward the narrative that the people dwelling in Canaan are large and strong, and soon fear spreads among all the people of Israel. Yet two of the twelve spies report differently. They encourage the people and say, The land that we passed through and explored is an exceedingly good land. If the Lord delights in us, he will bring us into the land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and he will give it to us. Only do not rebel against the Lord, and do not be afraid of the people of the land, for they will be like bread for us. Their protection has been removed, and the Lord is with us. Do not be afraid of them. Despite this passionate plea to the people, however, the people respond in an aggressive way to these two courageous and faithful spies. The people immediately suggest stoning the two spies to death. Fear is a powerful force, and fear leads to the nation's failure to obey God at the precipice of the promised land. The people brought to Canaan by God refuse to go in for fear of the inhabitants of the land. It's for this great failure to go in that they suffer a severe punishment. God responds to their sin, telling Moses these words. How long will this wicked congregation grumble against me? I have heard the complaints that the Israelites are making against me. So tell them, As surely as I live, declares the Lord, I will do to you exactly as I heard you say. Your bodies will fall in this wilderness, all who were numbered in the census, everyone twenty years of age or older, because you have grumbled against me. Surely none of you will enter the land into which I swore to settle you except for the two faithful spies, Caleb and Joshua. But I will bring your children, whom you said would become plunder, into the land which you have rejected, and they will enjoy it. As for you, however, your bodies will fall in this wilderness. Your children will be shepherds in the wilderness for forty years, and they will suffer for your unfaithfulness until the last of your bodies lies in the wilderness. In keeping with the forty days you spied out the land, you shall bear your guilt forty years, a year for each day, and you will experience my alienation. 
I the Lord have spoken, and I will surely do these things to this entire wicked generation which has conspired against me. They will meet their end in the wilderness, and there they will die. God has announced it, and it will come to pass. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness as a judgment for not entering the land that God had promised them. Forty years without a permanent home. And each and every Israelite over twenty years old will die in the wilderness. All except for the two faithful spies, Joshua and Caleb. Two faithful men out of hundreds of thousands. Join us next time as we meet the next generation of Israelites. Will the sons and daughters of this disobedient generation finally come into the land? Will they be able to defeat the fortified cities of the people there? Will they rebel like their fathers? Don't forget to download the Prism Bible app, our mobile app to help you learn the Bible. In addition to this podcast content, We have Bible readings, summaries, and quiz questions on the app to help you get the most out of every lesson. Prism Bible is a project of the Bible Literacy Foundation, a nonprofit dedicated to helping you learn the Bible.